Hello everyone and welcome to Healthy State of Mind. I'm Dr. Tracy Murray with Auctioner Healthcare System. And remember what Healthy State of Mind is, it's a series that's dedicated to you to provide education, awareness, and just the overall sense of understanding well-being. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, Dr. Murray. My Caitlin. name is Caitlin. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, sure I am, know you by now. I know. I'm Caitlin Heckel. I'm a digital content specialist here at Oshner Health. So today what we're going to be doing is talking about personality, what that term personality means, how that relates to what psychologists can do and how we overall see a person's personality and when that can be a disorder, when that can turn into something that make you go hmm like that person has some things going on how they relate to people what do you think I mean and it's gonna be a loaded question okay by personality what what, what comes to mind when you think of that like what is personality mm-hmm. or what is that personality to me is just what makes someone who they are mm-hmm. like their demeanor their um, the way they interact with people mm-hmm. that kind of thing like their energy the the dictionary definition of personality is this collection of characteristics, traits, uniqueness that makes and develops their character. When we think of personality in psychology, it really depends on who you're reading. Really depends on what theory. The most common one that people know is, do you know him? No. Sigmund Freud, Lord. Oh, <laughs> wait, I was going to say that. I know. I was. The id, the ego, and superego. But remember, that's just one theory Mm -hmm. of personality. There are plenty others. There's Jung and um, Allport. But simply put, how I like to think of personality in psychology is a combination of nature and nurture. Um, Not versus nurture, because some people often think it's one or the other when it's both. So it's the expression of genes and how environment has shaped the expression of those genetic components. So it's both. Okay. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And thank you for clarifying because Mm -hmm. I was going, I heard you say and, Mm -hmm. and I've always known it as versus. Yeah. And and when you think about it, it, you can't separate the two. That's why when I don't see it as nature versus nurture, again, depending on who you read, but you can't take away your genetics because of your environment and the environment you were raised in doesn't negate genetics so it is what we think of as a combination of both okay so while you do have these what we call predispositions or or predisposed factors that may not express depending on what kind of environment especially when we're talking about personality disorders what we'll get into okay and real quick when you say predisposed Mm -hmm. do you mean genetics genetics so like what you're given yeah basically. what okay. you're born with what you come into the earth with okay and we can think of these things like heredity we can think of these things like things that are passed down mm-hmm. traits dna all all these kind of things so it's a predisposition what you're set up for without the influence of environment got it but environment does have an influence on you yeah so personality disorders it, it's really it's really culturally bound when we think of when someone's personality traits, characteristics is problematic, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? When what they do and how they express themselves in any given culture causes distress amongst others, 
has maladaptive behaviors, impacts either all or work relationships, environment, their interaction with the legal system is when those traits become an issue, how they see themselves, how they see others and how they see the world at large is through the lens of this maladaptive behavior that's problematic in that culture. And the reason why I say culturally bound, it's because what's here in the United States and what's culturally normal in the United States or acceptable might be different given the aboriginals in Australia mm -hmm. or New Zealand, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just quite different, not right or wrong, just different depending on that context. So whenever we're speaking about personality disorder, I'm talking about in the United States. Okay. Okay. Because it's out of the DSM. So it's really a disorder is pervasive, meaning it's in everything. Kind of this insidious in the grass thing that it might not come out full fledged, but it's always there. It touches everything. Meaning that if you have a narcissistic personality disorder, it's touching everything. The person itself doesn't see something wrong with it. Everyone else around them are bothered by the behaviors. It's not necessarily curable because how do you cure personality or a character? So when we think about a personality disorder, it's quite different than what we would think about depression and anxiety. I was going to ask, I have a couple of questions. Sure. <clears throat> the first was I was going to ask how does or if personality disorder or if a personality disorder is different than mental, like a mental health issue or mental illness, like anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then real quick, if you could just, right. you mentioned narcissism. Uh -huh. Could you give us like a quick definition about what that is? So in thinking about how a personality disorder is different from a mental health condition, Historically, the DSM was broken down into the classification system of Axis 1 and Axis 2. Okay. Axis 1 were those things that could be treatable and could remit, meaning it can go away, it can come back, it can express itself, and then it can go away. It could be episodic. But when we really think about what quintessentially, which we don't use the multi-axial system anymore, the Axis 2 were those things that we can only treat the symptoms, but you will always have it. Okay. So someone with a narcissistic personality, we can, not that one, will turn <laughs> to borderline personality disorder. They may be distressed, but their concept and their self-esteem, their view of themselves and how they interact with others won't change. We can teach them. Okay. And borderline personality disorder is the most treatable in terms of the symptoms because there's a whole treatment called dialectic behavioral therapy okay. um, by Marshall Linehan that was developed. So that's the most treatable in terms of the symptoms. A large portion of many of the personality disorders is manipulation. Interesting. It is... Again, not necessarily happening in their awareness. I was, yeah. And they don't have the concept of seeing that it's a wrong thing. Because to them, it's not a wrong thing. It's a part of their personality structure. Would you say that manipulation, like manipulating a person to do something or person, their emotion? Their emotion. It's, remember, it's pervasive. It's everything. Would it come, does it come naturally to someone who has mm -hmm. a personality disorder? So it's almost like second nature. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. It's a part of their structure. Yeah. And again, this is they're predisposed or have these factors, these genes, that nature, and then an environment. Typically, what the environment is if someone's predisposed is very distressing, stressful, or traumatic. So let's say someone has narcissistic predisposition for that, um, and then they have something traumatic happen or distressing, it can be expressed. The stress of the situation of being in certain circumstances, childhood abuse, Mm. um, any kind of trauma in early childhood kind of can set you up for that, that environmental thing, neglect. Right. right. Anything in that way can be that environmental thing that can make it full blown or express itself as a disorder. Right. And traits or tendencies are not necessarily a disorder. Some people can have a tendency for manipulation, but it not be a personality disorder. So people, I don't want you to think, oh my God, I have a personality disorder. Oh my God, everyone around me has a personality disorder. Remember, it's a pervasive, it's touching everything. And you can have a trait, meaning you can see a benefit or manipulate someone as a mistake, right? Or someone have, you know, these flares, just kind of, hmm, Something's kind of off here and you see them because they are always distressed. They're always using their circumstances to get people to do what they want. They're always manipulating. They're always saying things like, I'm going to kill myself if you don't do this, right? That's manipulation. Mm-hmm. Tendency of a borderline personality disordered type of person. Yeah. Is this making sense it to you? It is making sense. Okay. It seems like, well, one, I'm happy that you just addressed that not everyone who has some of these traits Traits or or tendencies or tendencies has a is diagnosed with a personality disorder because we've talked about this in previous episodes before where social media can be a wonderful thing but it can also be detrimental in that i know there was this wave on tiktok specifically where everyone thought that they were being gaslit Mm -hmm. and i know that that's (laughs) something that people have experienced and it's valid right but not everyone gaslights not even everyone knows what that means right 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 and so i think that we can abuse words terminology so thank you for clarifying that and then something else that i had a thought about when you mentioned um like your environment growing up Mm -hmm. and so let's say we have an adult now who is 35 35 year old adult who has um, borderline personality disorder or just a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Would you say that those qualities started in their childhood as an act of like survival or protection? Some of the research, again, depending on who you read, can trace predispositions back to when people were an infant. Okay. Difficult temperament, slow to warm up, difficult to soothe as babies but again it's not enough to say oh my god they're crying all night long they're gonna have a personality disorder it's not enough right it's just that some of these tendencies and again depending on who you read can give you an indication that they have predisposition but if they're reared in a very healthy and acceptable way they'll be fine okay right but if something there it's adding to a person's distress and they're not managing it well 
or if they have a trauma with no therapeutic follow-up and it's not processed and it's inside again that insidiousness or, or the just sitting settling there festering boiling in them then a personality disorder can be fully expressed certain personality disorders cannot be diagnosed until past the age of 18 and remember too all the personality disorders can look like one another, mm -hmm. right? So most often in psychology, when we're diagnosing it, um, they may have features of this, features of that. The unspecified personality disorder is used a bit because it's like, okay, they have a little bit of the grandiose thinking like a narcissist would have. They break the law like someone with any social personality would have and have no remorse. They're callous. But then also... Their self-concept, how they view themselves, their self-esteem, and they're always distressed about it. It's a little tendency for borderline personality. So it really just depends on what you're looking at and not to self-diagnose because if you're saying you're having a personality disorder, you're probably not because, again, you can't, <laughs> you can't necessarily like make the connection. You don't see it wrong, right? right. Everyone else, right? Yeah. That makes sense. Right. So it, it's, I just wanted to have this episode to make people aware that not everything can be used colloquially. Oh my gosh, she has a personality disorder. Is it because it was a one-time thing? Because that's not what that is. Right. Or is it a pervasive pattern in multiple areas that is making that person behave above and beyond, which is maladaptive to social culture? Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Right. You might know these people. You might know them, but it's not everybody because the percentage is low. <laughs> right. Right. So when we think about personality disorders as a structure, they can be broken down into different categories, what we in psychology call clusters. So we have cluster A, which is the dramatic, erratic. Well, we have different clusters. So we have a dramatic, erratic, and emotional cluster, then... Um, which is the borderline personality disorders. We have the antisocial. So anyone that's distressed is related to emotionality, manipulation of others, or very over-the-top type thing. Grandiosity in nature. They may be a person, borderline personality disorder, may be chronically suicidal. And again, there's a lot of what we call comorbidity when a personality disorder can happen with an additional mental health issue. So you can have someone with OCD. The clinical definition of OCD, okay, y'all? We're going to have a whole Not segment. The buzz, buzz Not word. the buzzword. Oh, God, I have OCD. I like my house clean. No, that's a preference. Not necessarily an OCD, just yeah, depending on just what's like going on. You your house to be clean. Right. <laughs> so you can have someone with a personality disorder who has major depression, Right. They're highly, highly related. Or you can have someone with um, a narcissistic personality disorder also with obsessions. Right. Just depending on the nature of what's going on. So you don't think of them quite the same. And we have another cluster that's um, the avoided and fearful cluster. Right. So we have the avoidant personality disorders, the paranoid personality disorder, which is quite different than. Um, someone who has avoidance of things in the area of anxiety. Remember, it's about everything and people will manipulate to be avoidance. It is pervasive and they cannot function. 
Okay. Right? Is this just someone who avoids responsibilities or people? Everything. They avoid everything. It's, it's, it's pervasive. So okay. you'll have someone. Now, some people will have a specific thing that they're avoiding, but they can't. It is impacting their life. And okay. it's not about them. It's I'm avoiding this because you. Or I'm avoiding this because I can't. You need it. Okay. Right? So it, it's really an externalization of things, so to speak. Again, presentations can vary mm-hmm. because they have high overlap with other things. But it's not just, oh, God, I don't want to go to the grocery store today. I'm too tired. Avoiding in the colloquial simple term. This is upping the ante of that. Okay. Makes sense? It does make sense. And I, is this similar or completely different than an avoidant attachment style because that's where my brain just went right so avoidant attachment style depending on who you read can Mm -hmm. occur in childhood how one develops healthy attachment with the caregiver okay that could be a parent whomever is taking care of them that can be a precursor for environment that could lead to one or many variations of a personality disorder okay right so that is when we think of attachment theory, mostly how you attach in infancy, early childhood. That can relate to this. Okay. Right? So remember we talk about nature nurture, someone who has a difficult temperament, predisposed through genetics, has this really unhealthy attachment style, yes, mm-hmm. may lead to a full um personality disorder so that's a good connection to make okay but again simply because you have a difficult attachment doesn't mean your personality disorder Mm -hmm. okay and then there's um another cluster which is kind of your schizotypal just odd eccentric just floating to the beat of their own drum type of thing. Okay. Um, so it can be characterized by different things, schizotypal, schizoid, personality. And it can, you hear the word schizoid, and what do you think of? Schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. Yeah. So some people see that on a continuum. Like you can have schizophrenia in the realm of a mental illness that can be remitted. So some people can have schizophrenia symptoms or episodes, uh, full episodes, and then later in life not have them. But when we think of the personality feature, may not be characterized by the same symptoms. They're odd. Their thinking is what we call magical, just kind of oh. out there in the world. They're kind of floating around. Yeah. They see things in a very different way that is contrary to the culture. Okay. Right? To the usual culture. And I think New Orleans might have a lot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was so going to say, might, I like that. But it's not like you see an odd and eccentric person. Remember, it's not just someone for show. And theory. you might, oh, oh, yeah, she's a weirdo. No, not, not in that way. Mm-hmm. It could be, but maybe not. It's really how you relate to people, how you see self and how you see the world and what you do to maintain. Right. Okay. So that can be on a spectrum as well. Okay. One of the things that we talked about when we were having our group was this dependency. Um, So we talked a lot about dependent personality disorder and how people on social media and just in the lay world kind of throwing around this term codependency. Mm -hmm. Were you going to say something? I was. That's where my brain went to Uh because of social media. Um, But... Where did it go? 
to codependent. Mm -hmm. So I hear all the time like, oh, they're codependent or um, worrying about codependency or a codependent relationship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time it is viewed as a a, a negative mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is it? Is it, is it bad to be codependent or does mm -hmm. that? So I would say starting with the first branch here mm -hmm. of a personality disorder, that is the individual. So a person with a dependent personality disorder is a very clingy, cannot make decisions for themselves and heavily relies on someone else. And some people will use tactics. Again, it's about different things. So it's not how, if I'm consulting you, you, okay, let's do this, let's do that. It's really in everything. Codependency is two or multiple people. Now, whether you have two people with a personality disorder, maybe, <laughs> mm -hmm. or you have the one person singularly that um, has a dependent personality disorder, okay. But codependency, I think it's separate from that, and that can be indicated in any, many types of social situations. Substance use is where we commonly see it, where a person is struggling with a substance and has a dependency on others who are maintaining their access to a substance. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Right. So is this correct in, in my brain where the example that my brain just formulated mm -hmm. is like, let's say there's a couple, maybe one is struggling with alcohol abuse mm -hmm. and then person A is struggling with alcohol abuse. Person B brings them mm -hmm. alcohol or is an access point to drinking or they drink together? Point, makes excuses for okay. them and also gets something out of caring for that person. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. So it yeah. can vary. It can range. But that's when I think of codependency. When we think of codependency, I immediately as a psychologist don't necessarily go to dependent personality disorder, although a person in that unit or that family structure can have that. But the term codependency can latch on or match on to very different contexts. I think it finally just clicked in my brain mm -hmm. because of this. That example? Yes, I think right. it, I understand mm -hmm. codependency much better than I ever have before. Another word that we tend to use is called enmeshment. When enmeshment? We, enmeshment. Okay. It's when you're relating to someone in a social situation that is too over-involved. <laughs> okay. Like an adult child and a parent when they're overly involved in their decision-making, when they're overly involved in their relationship, they can't manage on their own without the involvement of this person and vice versa. Mm. That's an enmeshed relationship. We don't want enmeshment. Mm -mm. It's, it's a bit much. In, in mm -hmm. We don't want enmeshment in any relationship. We want healthy attachment. We want healthy boundaries in any given relationship. Even when we're talking about intimate partner relationships, we don't want enmeshment. That means you, it would be difficult for you to make independent, see things independently about yourself, others in the world, make decisions independently. And it's debilitating. It's causing significant issues within your life, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes people use codependency and enmeshment interchangeably. It just depends on the circumstance. Okay. But those are quite different than when we think of personality disorders, though personality traits and flair might be involved. In okay. Makes sense? It does. So then going back to the dependent cluster. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a, de 
it's under a cluster. Under a cluster. personality disorder. Yeah. Okay. And so then what, and you might have already said this, mm-hmm. but what is a dependent personality disorder? What are those traits? Right. Clingy. Clinginess. Okay. That's in everything, meaning okay. they're clingy and cannot function due to clinginess. Okay. They cannot make decisions for themselves and over-reliance on someone else to lead their lives. Okay. Right? I think I have encountered people like that before in my lifetime. Well, they might have flares of Okay. It, but to say they have a full personality disorder, and this is the one that <laughs> controversially may not be in the next iteration of the DSM. I don't know. There's conversations about the structure. They have been for the past decade about the structure of personality disorders, and we're still investigating it as a profession. Mm-hmm. Um, so think because they overlap so mm-hmm. much. You can see flares of dependency and borderline personality disorder. You can see flares of avoidance and dependency. So you see what I'm saying? I do, yeah. Um, so they can look like one another. But you can see, yeah, I've known some people with some of those tendencies. Yeah, I think that that's probably right. more that, factual. That, that might be a more factual thing because why they're dependent, I don't know. Right. They can be dependent because they never learned how to make decisions. Right. That may not necessarily mean they have a disorder. Because for all intents and purposes, this person has learned, can't do it. Right. I necessarily own. don't want to. Right. Don't have the capacity to. Right. Because they don't have an awareness of it. And this is why, like, I've had this thought, well, in every episode that we film, but especially in this one, this is why it is so important to talk to a mental health professional and to not self-diagnose or diagnose other people in your life or to throw these words around, even for for views or right. for laughs like it's just because remember it, it remember when i said on the other episode it bastardizes it yeah and diminishes the impact of when someone has that true disorder remember people are distressed typically depending on narcissism and antisocial because they have a healthy dose of callousness mm-hmm. so a person with dependency when they can't be dependent they cannot function yeah. in anything so it's not a fun thing. Mm-hmm. It's not to have borderline personality disorder. It's not fun. Right. It's not a badge of honor for some people. Some people it is, but it is really distressing for the individual and they don't even have an awareness of what's going on, of what it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Oftentimes people with personality disorder show up for something else. I see less of the antisocial and the narcissistic personality disorders and clinical practice tending to just depending on where they are, just because of the nature of the callousness, lack of remorse, grandiosity, you may have a tendency to see these people more in um, high-functioning roles, CEOs, or the legal system, justice system, um, just because of the no regard for rules in legal things. But typically, I see people for anxiety, depression first, and then it ends up that they have anxiety because they view themselves so poorly. They have anxiety because they're so avoidant. They're depressed because they're so dependent and can't make decisions for themselves and just can't understand why people aren't helping them. It really varies. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest point today is saying that a personality disorder is way much more than what you think it is. Mm -hmm. And to label yourself or someone else willy-nilly might do a disservice to that person yourself. And if you're having questions about it, seek help, right? Google won't be enough to determine this, right? Mm -hmm. You look up narcissism in Google, 
narcissistic personality might come up. Oh, he got personality disorder. I don't know. Yeah. Or did he just make a mistake? Or did she just make a mistake? Right. Right. You say, oh, he's so avoiding. Or they're just avoiding it because they have a phobia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they're avoiding because they're so anxious and have a fear base. Or is it truly a personality disorder? So, people, if you're thinking of any of these things, seek out uh, professional attention and um, awareness and education, even if it's through healthy state of mind, to lead you to question and challenge yourself to not mislabel things. Okay. Now we're ready for our mindfulness moment. Okay. okay. This is a moment, people, where we have a general self-aware, self-care meditation moment. And today we're going to do a mini mindful breathing. Um, the breath is always with us. So when we're in turmoil, when we're in distress, it is always there for you. So what we do, oh, you're already getting- I know what's yeah. coming. Uncross your <laughs> Tell legs. Tell them what you're supposed to do. Okay. So first you're going to uncross your legs mm-hmm. and sit comfortably. Your hands can be on your lap, at your side. Just relax. Well, how you about know? you take us through? Go ahead. The, the mindful breathing? Yes. Come on. I feel it for you. Wait, Dr. Murray, I don't know what we're you doing. You can do it. Just bright breathe. <gasps> okay. This is on the fly. Yeah. You trust me. I do. I trust me too. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, okay. So first, uncross your legs. Relax. Put your hands in your lap. Put them at your side. Close your eyes if that feels right. And just focus on your breath. Breathe in. And breathe out. And notice where your breath gets caught when you're breathing in. Does it get stuck in your throat? Does it make its way down into your chest? Can you get your breath all the way deep into your belly? I'm going to open my eyes for a second Mm -hmm. because I need advice. I think that was perfect. Thank you. Mini mindful break. Thank you. Good. Thank you for rolling with me. Yeah, of course. Can I ask a question? <laughs> sure. So when we are doing a mindful breathing mm-hmm. exercise, is it important to try? Because now I'm, I'm going back to, I was theater trained, so I'm yeah. going back to like my acting stuff. When mm-hmm. they say you want to breathe into your stomach and it, or your belly, and it's mm-hmm. like mostly to activate your diaphragm. Quite different. What different. you're talking about is breathing retraining. So you're training oh. your breathing to do something else. Okay. Mindful breathing is just being aware of what's going on. Okay. Not changing it, not judging it in any way, just latching on to it to see what's there. And you might surprise yourself. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's why I say you did it perfectly. Thank you. All right. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Very good conversation. Thank you all. Again, um, this is Healthy State of Mind, Dr. Tracy Murray from Auctioner Health. Keeping in mind that this does not serve as a therapeutic relationship. If you're interested in forming that therapeutic bond with a psychologist, social worker, or therapist, or counselor, please feel free to see the resources that are attached. Thank you. Have a great day.